GOB 94 crop rotation. Half a century ago, a Malaysian friend told me about his dream. He wanted to write, but first needed to earn enough money to buy a small plot of land. There he would dig a pond for carp, plant breadfruit trees around it, and keep pigs. That way, he would always have water and food, having carp, pig meat, and breadfruit to eat. His dream was of agricultural perpetual motion. Breadfruit would fall from the trees for the pigs to eat, pig manure would keep the trees healthy, and shoveled into the pond would feed the carp. Any leftovers from the carp would be quickly eaten by pigs. It's not my idea of heaven, even if the breadfruit trees held broad bills and be eaters. I don't eat meat, I don't like breadfruit, and I really don't fancy shoveling pig dung under the hot sun. What's more, the only time I ever ate carp, it tasted like mud with bones in. However, it is an ideal, sustainable lifestyle. Until the Industrial Revolution, every country had its version. Here, it was a mix of crop rotation, irrigation or drainage, and the use of animal and human night soil. Until relatively recent times, sewage was a blessing, not a problem, and land was kept in good heart by its recycling. Pests were kept in check by the continuous switching of crops around the fields. I'm not trying to bring back the night soil men because untreated human waste can carry disease and intestinal worms, but sludge management, as it's called, could save the country millions in imported fertiliser and save the earth from being despoiled and the seas vacuum clean of all life to create artificial fertilisers and phosphates. However, sludge management would need an upgrade, as microfibres build up in it from our washing of fleece jackets and microbeads of plastic from exfoliants. Their effects on the land is still uncertain. Now I'm sorry if you're enjoying breakfast, but what is it with the use of our toilet bowls as waste disposal units? Eco-conscious city dwellers recycle their Merlot bottles, hang their Howard's bag for life in the crook of their arm, and sort their daily telegraphs into the paper bin with the shredded restaurant receipts and unpaid tax demands. So why can't they resist the lure of the flushing maelstrom, but must add to its turbid waters that which cannot rot? So half the country's sewers are clogged with cotton buds and less mentionable non-recyclables. All too often, of course, these eventually flush into our increasingly polluted sea. I live in Cauliflower City. Here the fields grow continuous cabbages. Half the crop is rejected by the supermarkets, and so it's ploughed back in. Within weeks the same field sports more of the same. When the plough is in action, the corvids, gulls and pigeons follow in hope rather than expectation. Thereafter, the agri-desert is even devoid of doves. If you add together the cost of fertiliser, herbicide, pesticide, wasted seed and unbought crops, the margins are too tight to sustain individual farms. Just the combined units of land held by massive businesses. Turning back the clock to rotating crops is a no-brainer. Millions could be saved on the chemicals used to scour the land of disease and the return to a healthy, albeit man-managed, ecosystem would go a long way towards our own well-being. Stepping back to centuries-old methods would not just see wildlife return, but crops sold direct to local shops would see farming profits return too. It's often said that to survive, farms have to grow in size, cover every type of agriculture, and diversify into other activities like cheese-making or beer-brewing. But I submit that a backward step could actually be the key to progressive farming.